Well, welcome back to the Temporal Eternal Podcast. We are so excited that you are uh, with us again. Maybe this is your first time listening, or uh, maybe you have listened to the previous episodes. Um, Obviously, uh, it's been kind of a fun ride so far. We had uh, just recently had our official premiere and premiered our first few episodes. We've had some great feedback, uh, so that has been such a blessing to us. Uh, you know, our, our goal is, is not to be, you know, oh, you know, everybody, no, no, we just, we just want, uh, the Lord to use this to, uh, minister to people, right. And, and speak to them. And, you know, the whole heart and, uh, mission of the temporal eternal podcast is really, is all about eternity that, that we would live for eternity. Uh, and, and what does that mean in our, in our lives, in our relationships, in our time, um, in, in our mentality, with really putting eternity in the forefront of all of our decision-making, right? And how we should live. So uh, today, uh, Matt and I have a special guest, and his name is Justin Kane, Pastor Justin Kane. And he has been a pastor for probably, what, a couple decades, right, at this point? Yep, growing, going going on 21. Yeah, so I don't want to, you know make you feel old or anything, Justin, but you know, I want to make sure the, the audience has an accurate, uh, got some grace all throughout. He has, grace. He, look, he, he has a baby face though. Like, so like, I mean, like just so everybody, everybody knows, like if you're, if you're listening on Spotify or something like that, my whole game plan is I'm just gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to shave my beard, um, you know, at a certain point in time, and uh and then i'll be young again like justin you know you know as as i'm getting a little bit older so that's my strategy we'll see if it if it pans out or not you know justin justin's been a a friend of mine uh for quite a few years he's been a a kind of a leader and a mentor in my life and somebody who you know i greatly appreciate um just the the impact and just how he what he's deposited in my life what he's um been able to encourage me and do those things. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we're super blessed, man. Like we're like really, really blessed to have you. And, um, every time that I've ever heard, heard you speak, it's just been, uh, greatly, uh, impacting for, for my life. So, uh, so yeah, man, um, would love to have everybody just maybe hear a little bit something about you, you, I know you have, your beautiful wife and kids, um, and you know, just just anything you know that you want to just greet them with today. Yeah, even me, I yeah. have no idea who you are technically. Yeah, no, <clears throat> thank you for uh, sharing some of those things. I know you and I have had some very great conversations over the number of years that we've <clears throat> known each other. And uh, my name is Justin, as Donald said. I have a wife who I've been married to um, going on nineteen years now. Her name is Sarah. Two beautiful daughters, a 12-year-old named Summer Ray and a seven-year-old named Carly Rose. And we live presently in an area called Dunedin, Florida, which is very close to Clearwater, Florida. So a very beautiful place. Just moved here during the pandemic. Uh, we, we took a little two-week vacation and my wife's car never made it back to Chicago. So we believe the Lord is ordering our steps. I'm excited about for a season that I don't know what the next steps look like for me but there's a there's a level inside of me of excitement of what god has in store for us so thank you uh for having me on i look forward to our conversation tonight no definitely i I do as well so um you know the first question just to kind of get us started and uh and really to to let everybody know uh justin not only is a incredible communicator and and uh preacher but also he is an author and uh, one of his most recent books drifted um, has just come out in the last year. And I, I would love because a lot of the theme uh, really has to do with, because so here, here's what we've been tackling, Justin. So we've, we've spent a lot of time on eternity, right? In this, this uh, mindset of, of knowing, you know, okay, I need to live for eternity, but we've also made sure to have a lot of our conversations about what does that look like? Because for, for a lot of people, you know, we might have some people that don't have a background in faith, um, in Christianity, you know, I should say, but there are quite a few that do. And the one thing that we wanted to be careful of is there's a lot of people that have been 
um, challenge and know the the truth of the word of God or the principle of, okay, living for eternity, not getting distracted by the temporal things of life. But at the same time, sometimes what happens is, is people struggle to apply that to their life, right? They, they struggle to, you know, really encapsulate what does that look like for me? And I, I think really um, your book and really kind of one of your life messages, because I believe everybody has a life message and one of your life messages really targets that, really targets people's mentality, their mindsets, you know, really realizing who they are. So I'd love for you to, you know, open up just maybe with just a, a synopsis, um, you know, a breakdown of Drifted and, and the principles that God really spoke to you when you wrote this book. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to divert right off the big the get-go, but I just feel very strongly in my heart um, that the people who are listening to this need to not be so hard on themselves. And I know many times when we look back in our past, we can easily beat ourselves up over what we've done and where we are. Um, we can look at our present situation. And I'm telling you right now, I will... I could sit with probably 10 of the people that are listening to this and nine of them are living very deeply critical of themselves and very hard on themselves. They, they, they don't feel like they measure up. They don't feel like they have a chance. They feel like they, they're just going to fall again. They're, they're, they're going to come short again. And so they may try, they may do their best, um, but they just feel like uh, they just don't measure up to what God expects of them and to, into the hopes and the dreams and the 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 goals that they had, they they know they know they've fallen short. And so, I want to say this very sincerely, uh, and I believe very prophetically is, uh, stop being so hard on yourself. Stop hmm. seeing yourself in a light that you don't see others. You know, I know many times we are much more gracious with other people uh, than we are toward our own selves. And I hope some people really just take to heart what I'm, I'm saying, because once you get free from that critic inside of you, uh, there's a freedom that comes with it where you can embrace a love that I can't describe. I mean, I could do my best to describe the love of God and I'd still come up short. In, and so it's, it's one of those things that is um, difficult to grasp, but very easy to receive. And so I really want to encourage every single person listening to this, stop beating yourself up. Just stop yeah. it. Don't do it with your language. Don't do it toward people about yourself. Don't, don't beat yourself up to God. Don't beat yourself up when you lay your head on the pillow, when you make a mistake, like, like stop it. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's a good beginning place to start. You know, <clears throat> Donald, the, the synopsis of a book, if I could put it into, you know, some thought, it would be, uh, I'm just attempting to restore people's perspective on God. Hmm. Like, like truthfully, the book is not, I did not write it to help anyone become a better believer. Like that's, that's what you see. There's many books on shelves to help you yeah. become a better believer. <clears throat> And that book is not intended to make you a better believer. Um, my hope and my prayer is that it will introduce people to a God and to his heart um, like they've never experienced him before. And I'll just give you this quick example. Um, man, when, when this came to my mind, this came to my mind after I wrote the book, but boy, did it impact me. I remember us worshiping God. We were in a church service one day and we were worshiping God. And we're singing about God's holiness. Hmm. And here's the thought that came to me. When the angels fly around the throne, what do they cry? Holy, holy, holy. 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 And we get fixated on the beauty of that. And we want to see the holiness of God. And we want to experience the holiness of God. But as a son and daughter the spirit within us does not cry holy 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 what does it cry abba father <laughs> and when mm. i when i saw the difference like that is a radical shift from holy 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 can't touch the holy can't get close to the holy don't you know the 
the uh, the Israelites said, Mo, uh, Moses, you go up to the mountain. We will stay by. We're, we're not coming close to a holy God. And yet the spirit that he gave us, the same spirit that was in Jesus that lives inside of us does not cry, holy, holy, holy. It cries, Abba, Father. Mm. And and I, I do not know too many believers that enjoy God, that feel like God enjoys them, that they don't enjoy the adventure with God because they're, they're so focused on their shortcomings. And if I, I mean, I'll just give you, I'll just make a point with a question. And you both have been in ministry or you both have been around ministry. Imagine going into whatever church that you attend and asking 10 believers, are you where God wants you to be? I mean, you be honest with your answer. Tell me what you think some of the answers would be. <clears throat> no, uh, I'm getting there. I'm yep. getting there. You know, it's, I'm, I'm a process. That's another one. Um, yep. I, I would, I mean, what do you think, man? I would venture to say 9.5 out of 10 would say something like that. Wouldn't you? Yep. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine's I'm still have some work to do. You know, I need to be where I'm at. Um, God's still working on me in the right places. So, yep. And so just imagine if that's where we come from. I mean, we don't, nobody taught us to just answer like that, but based upon everything we listen to and our journey with God, we've come to this conclusion. If someone asked us that question, are you where God wants you to be? Instinctively, we'd be like, no way. Yeah. And here's my retort back. He placed you where? In Christ. He has put you exactly where he wants you to be. And that's how he sees you. And so when you're, when you stop playing the mind games of, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as far as God wants, that's not the language of the kingdom. He has placed you in Christ. And when you are fully <laughs> surrendered to that concept that yeah. this is where God wants me in Christ. I am not trying to get anywhere with God. I am not ever feeling like, man, he must be like, so like, Justin, when are you going to get your act together? Like you should be so further along than you are. And I get to wake up and go, he placed me in Christ. And that's where he wants me to be. And that's what he wants me to see life from. And that's where he wants me to enjoy him from. And that's where I can receive everything regarding what he has for me. And, and, and that's the, the, like the, the hope of this book that I've written, I mean, is to introduce people to a God that will wake them up to a life of enjoyment. I mean, mm. to literally enjoy the God that pursues after you. I don't pursue after God. I, I respond to his pursuit. Like he's the one that came after me. When I wake up in the morning, he's there by his spirit to greet me. I don't have to wake him up and say, I'm, I'm seeking hard after you. No, I'm responding to the pursuit of my father. And now I get to live completely responsive. And so many times we have become the initiator with God. So we initiate. So if I pray, God responds to me. If I give, God responds to me. If yeah. I read my Bible, man, God's, he responds to me. I, I just have come to believe, and I know everybody can study for themselves, like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. Go study the scriptures and see if these things are true. But I have come to understand I'm responding to him in everything. He's the initiator, and he has always been the initiator, and it has always kept me on this side of responding. Donald, you know, I know you, you, you've been married for a number of years and when you were courting or dating, um, your wife or your, your soon to be wife, what did she do? She was responding to your pursuit. So if she made you dinner or she thanked you, or if she looked all pretty for you, or if she got you a gift, it was never 
to initiate you. It was to respond to your pursuit of her. And when we start to live like that with God, you start to enjoy responding to everything he does. Mm. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I, I think it's, you know, for me, you know, I've, I like Justin has had for our, our listeners or those who are watching on YouTube, you know, I've had this, you know, similar conversations with Justin because I, I personally have had such a mentality towards, uh, behavior modification towards, um, really being a human, human, uh, doing instead of a human being. And I, and I'm still in the process for sure, but I I feel like I'm, I'm starting to have awareness and self-awareness of it because it it definitely throws a lot of people off because a lot of people, uh, you know, have, have put this thing, you know, called our faith and relationship with Jesus that is in really a religious box and in this, this workspace mentality. And it really throws people off. Like even, like even when, when I first started hearing some of this stuff from you, Justin, I'm, it really kind of shook me up because I'm like, no, like <laughs> yes. I have to, no, I have to fix me. Okay. And God is, is, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's scriptures about the wrath of God that, you know, like God does yep. not like sin, but there's, there's also like his grace and that by the blood of, of Jesus Christ that covers us, that that grace now covers us, uh, you know, our sins, you know, that forgiveness, uh, truth and principle, but it's still, it's a, it's a massive shift to actually apply that. And it's different. Like this, this whole thing is, is not like, there's so many things we're talking, we hear a message about like, uh, being a light and you apply, apply it to your life. Well, how do you do that? Well, you help somebody out. You, you bless somebody with some money, yep. you pray for somebody. This principle, I believe is extreme. And just my personal experience is extremely difficult to wrap your head around and also apply it because so many times people have had a mentality for so long about who God is, about who I am. And so now it's not just like an easy, like, oh, I'm just going to start, you know, I'm going to go read the Bible more, but it's like really having to have, you know, a a moment with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again of of reflection and going like, God, like, where am I, where's my mentality wrong? Like, what is this self-deprecation right this this whole mentality of like pulling myself down when you're looking at me with eyes of a proud father like you were saying yeah and you know what flipped the my world but also at the time the church that i was pastoring it literally like sent a lightning bolt through our our community was that god is relational before he's functional and that's a simple phrase and of course we love our little catchphrases but that somehow caught fire in people's hearts and they started to realize Mm. that they were relating to god through function rather than functioning out of a relationship with god and Mm. you know one of the stories or illustrations that i love to share is you know in the old covenant you know, each year you would come and you were called to bring a unblemished male young lamb. Okay. Now you were called to bring him to the priest. Now, when you brought that, that lamb to the priest, you brought him because you are bringing him for your sins. Now catch this because man, when I saw this, it like literally helped me grasp how God sees me and how he deals with me differently than what I used to understand. So this, this sinner would bring this lamb to the priest. Now the priest would look at the lamb and he would begin to examine the lamb and he would see, make sure it's a male lamb. It's a young lamb. It's unblemished lamb. And then he would, what he would slit the throat of the lamb and the blood was shed from that lamb. And it was a worthy sacrifice, correct? And then he would place the lamb on the sacrifice for the sins of the man who just came. But through all that stuff, what I didn't realize initially, and now I do, is the priest never examined the man. Mm. 
Mm. <laughs> wow. I mean, <clears throat> never once did he go, how's your heart? Are you right? Are you doing good? Are you going to stay committed to God? Never once did he examine the man. He examined what? The lamb. The sacrifice. Yep. In the Old Testament, Abraham says, you know, Abraham's son says, where is the lamb? John the Baptist in the New Testament says, behold, the lamb of God. And then John mm -hmm. writing at Patmos in Revelation says, worthy is what? The lamb of God who came. So God's not examining Justin Cain 24 hours a day. What has he examined? The worthy lamb of God. And guess what? That lamb was a perfect sacrifice. It's called propitiation. It's a wrath satisfying sacrifice. And that's why it says in first John chapter four, that I actually no longer have to be afraid of the judgment that is to come. Why? Because perfect love cast out what all fear. fear. And I've been yeah. given first John three, one, I've been given what the right of being a child. He said, beloved, how marvelous is this, that he's called us children of God. So he has now made a way for me to relate to him where I no longer have to fear judgment to come. Why? Because of the lamb. Mm -hmm. And so many of us, Donald, get so fixated on us rather than the lamb. When in fact, God examined the lamb, the lamb yeah. was found perfect. It was sacrificed for us. And now God can look at us. And when the sinner walked away from that priest, he walked away justified. Hmm. Which means what? Innocent of any wrongdoing. And yeah. he walked away forgiven. And I don't find a lot of believers who have come to understand how to live there on a daily basis. Like 100%. they're trying <clears throat> To go examine my heart, God. And then we're examining and, and we're getting so caught up in our humanity that we're truly missing his divinity and what it was and what it has accomplished for us regarding me and God. Well, well, because we, we have it reversed. And I, I looked up, a, I was looking up a couple of scriptures that I just, I thought of um, just, just on, on this whole topic, but they have, um, find it right here. There was Isaiah 61.10, I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped yep. me in a robe of righteousness, right? Which is a, a prophetic word. Um, and then the other one I, I found, and I'm just kind of flying here. Um, but if we walk in the light, I see is in the light. We have fellowship one. We, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son washes us from all sin. So yep. the, what, what I have found is we, we kind of, and, and you were hinting at it earlier at the beginning, Justin, is we, we have reversed the process that God has set up where it's, it's, I'm going to fix myself and I'm going to do all these things and then I'm going to come to you. And so that's why, and it's, it's, it's literally, even for me, like there are some areas of my life where I'm thinking about after, after even you being on the podcast today where I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, not go do something, but go reset because really what the, the biblical principle is, is, is yes, we, you know, we, we turn to Jesus who is in pursuit of us, that who, who he loves us, who has called us to come home to him and yeah. we receive right by, by the confession and the repentance, right. Of, of our life, we receive his grace and his mercy. And from that relationship, the, you know, what the cause and effect of having a relationship with Jesus is that we began to live for him and not, you know, we're imperfect and we will make mistakes and we don't sin because we know we can sin like Paul says. Right. But, but at the same time is we, we just really focus on Jesus and focus on who he is and who he's called us to be. And then the side effect of that is as we continue to walk that principle out, you know, we begin to uh, live more for God in the sense of um, purity, in the sense of, of, you know, resisting temptation. No, we're not perfect. But, but I even think that I would, I would lo love to hear even more in, into that 
you know, Justin is like, man, how, how does somebody really go about doing that? What, what are the, the things they read or what do they pray or what are some of the ways they can attack those thoughts of going back to just doing for God instead of really just trying to spend time with him and, and not, you know, freaking out about everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good question. And I think, so here, here's, as I'm writing this book, I'm trying to figure out, man, okay. I myself drifted away from a gospel that was relational into a functional way of relating to God, which means it was transactional. I got caught up in the, if I do, then God would do. So if I pray three times a day, he will anoint me more. If I read my Bible, he will somehow bless me because I'm a studier or, you know, a, a one that seeks after his word. If I tithe, he's going to do this. If I, if I praise, he's going to do, I mean, so literally my life was transactional and it was just, I'll do one transaction here. And I just got really good at it, Donald. I was admired for my functionality, truly was. And the phrase that I like to tell people is I exchanged a cross that saved me. I replaced it for ladders that were going to perfect me. It's what happened hmm. in Gal uh, to the Galatians. He said, who bewitched you? He said, you guys started in the faith, but now you're trying to perfect yourself in the flesh. He goes, <laughs> and that word bewitched means like, man, who, who befoozled you? Who, who, who got you so twisted in your own understanding that you're trying to accomplish something in the flesh that started in the faith. And so hmm. I became extremely functional with just the way that I, I was living my life. And the reason why is because there's something in all of us, Matt, there's something in all of us, Donald, that we want to earn our place with God. Yes, I know salvation is free, but God, I want, I want to be deserving of it. <laughs> I, I want, I don't want you to just have a, I don't want to have a handout. I really want to be a good Christian. Uh, we want to get credit for what we do good that we do. We want to live a good life and get credit for the good life that we live. Honestly, there's something in us and it's the, it's the flaw of mankind that we, we want to pat on our back for trying so hard and striving to be good Christians. We, we love those yeah, pat on the backs. True. Uh, we definitely want others to notice our goodness and recognize what we've accomplished, man. I wrote a book and I've been a pastor and I've helped these people. And it's like, the more that that's public, the more we're, we're, we're somehow built up within. We love to be applauded. Get this for our passion and our commitment to the Lord. I mean, I'm telling you, I would, I would have corrected you. If you said it, you only talked about anything that I did, but if you were to be like, man, Justin is a committed, surrendered, God fearing man of God and a great man of God. I would have been like, dude, Donald, you don't live with me. Like none of that's true. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's, there's no, there's no even a place to, to remotely say, yeah, that, that's really true. I'm a committed, surrendered, God fearing, uh, man. no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, are you kidding me? I, 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 I fall short and I'm okay with it because the measuring stick is so different for me nowadays. So, um, and, and then we feed off and I did this. I fed off the admiration of others and, and I seek, I sought hard after God's purpose. Like the harder I sought, the more I believed I was going to fulfill his purpose in my life. And so you better believe, man, the weight was on my shoulders, the spotlight, man, it was on me and yeah. I was going to do this, man. I was going to make God happy. I was going to make him proud. I was going to, man, I was going to change the world because what I was ready for it. And, uh, and these are all symptoms, man, of just someone who has drifted without even realizing and that's what happens. If you go to the ocean, you put your towel down in the sand and you go into a current, that thing can take you 15 minutes away from your towel without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And that was me. I didn't realize I was left in a place. Yeah. Everybody admired my disciplines. I woke up 5.30 a.m., I prayed at 12, I prayed at 6, I read my Bible, I memorized large portions of scripture. I was admired. It was fueling the ego inside of me. It felt good, but I was a functional son. And I did not have what I come to understand 
this enjoyment of being enjoyed by my father. And so he little by little is it started to strip me of every single yeah. ladder that I had erected in my life. <clears throat> no, I, I was going to say too, I just even hearing you, I just think it's, isn't that fascinating where you, you know, let's just, let's put, let's put a, uh, a situation. Let's say you have somebody who's on the worship team and they're yeah. doing it sincerely because they want to, uh, worship the Lord and, and use their, their voice and their talent. And that is their heart starting out. And this is, a an opportunity, a, a real opportunity to serve in your local church and all those things like that. And then what ends up happening with this drifting principle is, um, you are doing something for God and serving God. And then all of a sudden more and more, uh, you the motivation, the fuel for it becomes like what you're saying, like, oh, people giving me compliments or, or seeing people's reaction and, and those sort of things like that. And you, and you be begin to drift away. I, I, I always think about when Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan and how Satan took, you know, principles that he, he took scriptures and then would make a twist. And I, I find that you know, same thing true. Cause I look at my life and I go, you know, for me, you know, I, I stepped out of ministry cause this is my story, right? Like this, this is what happened to me where, where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff for God, but I don't know him right now. Right. And I don't even know who I am because, cause my identity is completely in the hands of the people I am trying to impress and lead. And it was so off kilter. I mean, it was, it was completely off. And I look and I think, I think the, the word, you know, drift, right. And drifted is a hundred percent how it happens. Yeah. And for some people here, here's this, here's the, I don't want to say scary part, but here's some, some of the, the, the fascinating part about it is for some, this can happen after they've been a, been following God their whole life. They could have been raised in the church, but for, for some, it could be, you just, you just came to the Lord. You're, you're, you're a new believer. And if you don't, if you don't get this, the same thing can happen too, where you go like, Whoa, like all of a sudden you look and go, wait, who, who am I doing this for? Who am I? What, what is this all about? And it can totally come off kilter so fast. So quick. Matt, what are you thinking, man? So what, we, what are some of your thoughts? We just got to remember who's judging us at the end of the day. I mean, think about it. You're going out there to impress your friends or impress people following you in church or something like that. And you just got to remember that your number one focus is God. And if you're not doing it for him, but doing it for your friends, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And yeah. that's, that's the biggest thing I have going on in my head right now. Because it's like, like we have a question for you. How do you think God measures for eternal rewards? It's like, yeah, is that God doing that? Are you doing it for God? Or are you doing it for your friends? That's well, you know, I really want to, I really wanted to find out. Now, this is something that I don't know if it's controversial. I just don't have a lot of initial agreement with these statements but after some time of talking i think people see where i'm coming from i was trying to figure out okay wait why are we drifting like i wasn't talking about drifting into being away from god i drifted into a functional gospel a, a transactional mm -hmm. way of relating with god so why do i believe justin believe that I would say 9.9 .9 out of 10 people I know that are Christian have drifted into a transactional way with God. How, how, how could I make such a crazy claim? And if that is any in remotely close to being the truth, why do we drift? Um, and, and I begin to see a difference between two kind of paradigms, destination and discovery. And I realized that this journey we're on is not one of destination. Like God is not in a hurry to get Justin Kane to fulfill all the great things that he, <clears throat> excuse me, that he has for Justin Kane. And that 
His intent is me getting to a destination. It's about discovering who I am to him and who he is to me. Now, mm -hmm. this changes a whole bunch because we are fixated, just like the question I asked earlier. Man, how many listening right now are where are where you or where God want or are you where God wants you to be? Many are like, no, no, no. Why? Because they're destination minded. They 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 believe at the core of what this is all about that they are here and they have to get here somehow. And so they what? You have to fix yourself and you have steps yeah. and so forth. Now, I would like to, and I'd love your feedback. I would love some honest, because I, I haven't had this conversation in a while, but I take people through these five questions. Question number two and question number three, to me, are the root reason why people drift without even realizing it. But here's the first question that I ask people. And I, I did this as a simple social experiment before I wrote the book. And I ask Christians this, especially as a pastor, I had the mm -hmm. allowance to ask this question to a lot of different people. I said, how are you in God? Now imagine just somebody coming up and asking that question to you. I did not get out of everybody that I asked, everybody either said good or not so good. Now think about this. How are you in God? And if they said good, guaranteed it was followed up with, man, I'm rocking my prayer times. I feel like I'm really close to him. Been reading my Bible, spending time at church. I feel like God's talking to me. And so their good is measured by one thing, them. <laughs> and then the ones that said, wow. ah, not so good, I go, Oh, why not? Why would you define it not so good? Man, I don't know. I haven't opened my Bible in a few days. I'm struggling with this sin. Man, I don't even want to worship God at times when I'm at church. And I haven't I haven't been serving lately. And so their measuring stick for how them and God are is them. And I look at Romans chapter five, verse number one, I'll, I'll just read it to you because it, it's close by. It says this, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, me and God, we're good. <laughs> it's not based upon me. And and that, that to me is, it, it, it I have a lot of conflicting thoughts. Like if somebody had this conversation with me before I went through what I went through in writing this book, I'd be like, dude, man, no, this is, this whole thing is about you. Like, yeah, some people are good and some people, no, no, there is nothing. I have peace with God. There's nothing broken, nothing missing between me and my father because Jesus restored it. And he brought me back to the father. And so I had to come to realize how are me and God were good because of Jesus. Yes, there's some things working. He's working inside of my life, but I'm going to believe the gospel more than I believe my humanity. Hmm. And I'm going to stand on the gospel and I'm going to stand about verse number two of Romans five says, and stand in the grace. I'm going to stand in that grace. I'm going to stand in Christ because that's what he said about me and him. He said, we're good. Why are we good? Because the lamb was worthy. Now, when I started to, you know, try to rattle that in my head and try to make that even make sense, I started beginning to go, okay, God, me and you are good because of Jesus. Now we all know that we say it, we preach it. But when, when somebody asked you, how are you and God <laughs> guaranteed, we don't answer according to the gospel. We yeah. answer according to how we're doing in our lives. So that's question number one. Any thoughts with that, guys? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to just keep on. I just want to keep on rattling. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, I want to make yeah, sure what, there's what, some break. No. What, what were, yeah. What were you gonna say, Matt? 
No, that's uh, there's just a lot there. So it's like, how are you and God? God made it good no matter what. You are good as long as you have you God. You and God, there. you and God are good. Yeah, you and God are good. Have, yeah, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Right. You yep. need to worry about your relationship with God, though. It's like, do you need to? But God's already made it good by putting Jesus on the earth for you back in the day. So yep. and, like, and think about think about this. I mean, I used to believe I need strong faith. Guys, he has made it very clear in my weakness. He is what? He's strong. strong. His hold yeah. on me is way stronger than my hold on him. I used to be so confident in my faith. Mm -hmm. Like whatever storms I go through, I'm good. That's I mean, that is at the height of pride and egotism. I've come to and go, I'm just glad the Lord's holding on to me every day and he's never going to let go. I'm glad the Lord pursues me every single day. And he's always just knocking at my heart saying, Justin, Hey, break away and spend some time with me. I got some things. Yeah. I mean, I, I now live a responsive life. So I'm not Matt. I'm not concerned about or worried about me with God because I'm his son and he will, he will work those things in my heart by the Holy spirit. He does it in every single one of our lives. And, and it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful reality now that, you know, it hasn't let me drift away into anything of sin or anything of, Oh good. I, I can do whatever I want. No, I, I love being loved by God. Now I enjoy mm -hmm. being enjoyed by God. And I realize, me and him are not dependent on me. Me and him are dependent upon him. And uh, that's a great place to be. Uh, so that's the first question I asked. Now, now question number two and question number three. And if there's a part two or part three of this, maybe we could do this sometime. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, Donald, but I'm going to do my best. You're good. So you're good. We, you uh, tell me when we're well, done. I, I, you tell I me when we're we done. Have, we have 15, well, 15, 15, 20 minutes, we'll say. So Perfect. you're good. Okay. Perfect. So question number two that I love to ask people is if somebody came up to you, now think about this. You both have been around the ministry for a number of years. If somebody came up to you and says, how do I get closer to God? What would you answer them? I, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let you answer that on the podcast. Cause I don't want to, uh, you know, you guys are dumb and wrong and stuff like that. But I would say this, the usual is, well, if you want to get close to God, you got to seek him. And you got to read your Bible, spend some time in prayer, uh, get to know him, get to know his word, get yourself into a church, get around Christian people. I mean, that's just eight. That's just eight steps that I, yeah. I encourage somebody with to get closer to God. And where does that stem from? And now this number, question number two and question number three are why people drift into a functional transactional way of relating with God. And I believe we all do it is I believe I'm here. I'm trying to get my hands in the screen. God wants me here. So of course, if I'm here and God wants me here, if my faith is here and God wants my faith here, if my purity is here and God wants my purity here, if my obedience is here and God wants it there, of course, what do I need? I need to do something to bridge that gap. Now, you see it in, Gen G uh, Jesus said it in John chapter 17. He says, Father, even as you and I are one, so are they with us as one. Paul said that we are what? One spirit. Mm-hmm with the father. Paul even said, I have been crucified. It's no longer how you live. What, what Christ who now lives within me, Jesus yeah. even said, we will come and make our abode in you now. Okay. I, I remember Donald, I shared this with a, a young lady that we both know in our past. And I put two lines on a paper like that. And I just expressed what I did. And then I, I wrote a line like this on a piece of paper. And then I wrote another line right over it. And I said to her, how do you make these lines any closer? 
She said, you can't, they've become one. And here is where I believe hmm. so many of us are drifting because we believe with our language and our doctrine, we can get closer to God. And you tell me, how do you get closer to a God that you're already one with? And so no longer do I read my Bible to get close to God. I read my Bible to discover the God that I'm already close to. No longer do I worship God to feel close to God. I worship him. I worship a God that I'm already close to. And so it, it took out all of the steps. It removed the destination. Yeah. And I now start to enjoy the God that I'm already close to. Because the only way that I've ever come to understand people measure closeness is by how they feel. Well, I just don't feel close to God or yeah. I feel really close yeah. to God. And when you measure something based upon your feelings, it's always going to be up and down or it's, it's going to be skewed. It's, it's an up so that, and down roller coaster. I mean, that, that's what it is. And well, and, and even too, so like th this is something that I've been wrestling with even probably in the last year which I was like, I just don't like it anymore. But when people use the verbiage, I'm, you know, I'm going on a, a, a new level, uh, you know, I'm being taken on a new level. Yep. And really, you know, what I've realized is that I am just having a greater awareness of, of God and of who I am, right. And, and who I am w without Jesus and, and really who I am in Jesus. And it's just a, a greater depth of understanding of the truth that God has already said it has happened and that is and not this like all right now it's going to be you know and God will take you places and and use you in in different things for sure but like there it's it's a very similar you know just i mean really same principle just as you're saying revealing it's just that more and more as you uh have the enlightening of the the holy spirit and understanding of his word you begin to have a greater awareness and understanding of the principles in your life right and 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 from there it can then start to uh, uh positively yeah be careful with this because then we go back to transactional very quickly um but it, it begins to positively impact the way you think about yourself and the way you, you think about God, right? Um, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, very well put. And, um, I think when we, when I had to stop using the language of closer, it was a struggle, man. I really had yeah. to have a lens change when it came to that. Here's the third question that I put out there. If somebody would come up to you and said, man, can you show me just some things I can do or how to become a better Christian? again, how would we answer? Most often we would give them a list of things to do. And again, if you can just hear in those questions, there's a destination that is at the core of both of them. How do I get closer and how do I become better? And I, I, I in reply to this question, I've asked people, or I, I, I put the answer there of going, when he says that you are complete in Christ, that your old man is dead and your new man is now a new creation in Christ, how do you get better than completeness? Hmm. And I had to come to grips with, now think about this. I was a minister going through understanding these principles at the time. How do you preach a message when you can't help believers grow and you can't help them get better? what are you left with donald i was i was challenged by that think about a sermon you would put together that you're not trying to encourage them to get closer to god and you're not encouraging them to become better christians and i was like what do you teach on like how do you teach the bible and it was you you teach people discovering who they are to god and who god is to them throughout the scriptures and you will see a new way of looking into the word of God. It's like, 
it is all over the place of discovering who am I to God and who is he to me? And now I go into what? Sharing that message to people of who you are to God and who he is to you. And so those questions, number two and number three of closer and becoming better are to me the cause of why we drift because we're trying to get closer. We're trying to get better. And what do we do? The only way you can do that is by functionality is believing that what I do determines if I get closer or better. And so we're striving. I mean, Christianity is not about a self-help. It's not about becoming a better Christian. It's not about becoming, I'm going to live like Christ. No, it's about Christ living in you. It's about Christ being Mm -hmm. formed in you. It's not about you modeling yourself after somebody you admire. It is literally about saying, okay, I'm not striving to get better and I'm not striving to get closer. What do I have left as a a Christian? God, I want to know who you are and I want to know who am I to you. And man, you start to go on discovery rather than destination. And man, that, that to get out of your system is like, I mean, you have to like, it seems like it has to be ripped out of your theological system because it is littered through everything we hear and think and do of, well, I want to get better. I want to get better. I want to get better as a Christian. And so we're constantly fixing ourselves and trying to improve ourselves. And we miss something so pure about the gospel. And eventually the spotlight goes away from the worthy lamb and it comes back on us and goes, man, you're doing really good, Justin, keep it up. You're being, you're, you're, you're really good Christian, Justin, you're really making an impact. People really admire your walk with God and your faithfulness to God. (laughs) They don't know my thoughts. They don't know what passes through in my mind. They don't know what maybe struggles going on with my heart. It's like no one deserves to be put on. I don't care how good of a Christian Billy Graham does not deserve to be admired for his, how good of a Christian he was. Cause what are we measuring that by? There's no measuring stick that we're allowed to measure other Christians by, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so those are the first three questions. The next two, I, I, I won't go too long on this. The next one is this. And it, it, the, the, the reason for this question is just how people become in the kingdom, Donald. So somebody would be like, man, how do I become more pure or more holy or joyful or loving? Again, Donald, you've been a youth pastor, so you've done the purity messages. You've encouraged sure. kids to be pure and you've encouraged them to be holy and you've encouraged them to be loving. And so what happens is we have this idea of becoming in the kingdom by doing. And now here's the kingdom. Now, again, anybody listening to this, I know they can honestly disagree, but I would ask them to go look at it for themselves. How do you become in the kingdom? How do you become more pure? How do you become more holy? How do you become more joyful? It's not by doing, it's by receiving. Well, that now this was a game changer in my world. I remember in 2017, I had financial pressure. My marriage was struggling. Um, I didn't know what, what ministry looked like for me. And I remember hitting my hand on the steering wheel nearly in tears, but I screamed and it's very out of character for me to yell like that. But I screamed like, God, what in the world is going on? And all I felt like I heard was him chuckle. Like that to me is demoralizing, but I was like, why would you laugh at a time like this? And he says, do you want to become a man of rest that is not moved by circumstances? Now I was ready to go. Yeah. What scriptures do I need to confess? What do I need to hold on to? What promises do I need to hold on to? And he said, it starts with receiving every day, Donald. I just, every single morning, father, I receive your peace and your rest that only you can give me. And it took about 45 days until I realized nothing changed around me, but it no longer shook me. 
-hmm. And I became a person who was free from worry because I received rest. I didn't, it wasn't the scriptures I quoted. It wasn't my prayer times. It was a gift that he gives you and I received it. And as you receive, you become, how do you become a more loving person? Not by loving, by receiving his love. How do you become a more joyful person? Not by trying to go and be more happy and have a better perspective by receiving the joy that only comes from him. And that changed so much for me because now I went to my prayer times to receive rather than to ask. I wasn't asking God for peace. I was coming to him saying, I thank you that you've given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I receive your peace. Yep. And that changed everything. And here's question number five. If people aren't bored out of their minds right now, but here's question number five. And, and this one came later on, but I shared it with the community and it really, it really made an important impact. I said, who's the, who's the best Christian, you know, and you know, people have in their mind, when I ask that question, they think of somebody. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. For sure. I mean, who's the best Christian, you know, and I say, if you even have a picture of somebody in your mind, you've drifted away from the true gospel because you've now took out a measuring stick that was never meant to be used. And you measured somebody according to some, whatever it is you measure with. And you go, they're a really good Christian. They're a really good Christian. And then we show ourselves and go, man, I wish I could be like them. And I said, when you get back to the gospel, you realize all have fallen short. Every single one of us from Paul to Billy Graham to myself included, there's no best Christian. There's none. And that set me free as well. So man, when I went through that process of those five questions and I really just took my time with them and allowed it to kind of shape who I was, Who came out of that, Donald and Matt, was a man that I felt like was free from me. Yeah. And I was free from a mold. I was free from a script. And now I could finally enjoy God and I could enjoy being enjoyed by him and being loved by him. It was like there was a blockage to receive love because I was constantly transacting for it. That's good. And now... I receive his promises based upon who I am to him, not what I do for him. That was, that was a big no, no back in the day for me. No, you receive God's promises based upon what you do. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land, right? So what you do determines what you receive. And actually I receive from him based upon who I am. And I'll close with this thought is, you know, so you guys can say whatever you need to say. The prodigal son received from the father based upon who he was to the father, not what he did for the father. Hmm. Very good. Thank you. All I can say is I'm going to go read the book now. (laughs) Um, Rock on, man. I haven't read it. it. Let me know how you like it. All right. Yeah. Where can I buy it at? Can you tell me that? Amazon drifted Justin Kane. Amazon's the place Justin to go, Kane or drifted. you can do it on Kindle. All right, cool. We'll put the link in the description for everybody too. So if they want to grab that, yeah, we'll we'll make sure to make sure to put that in there. I I saw Matt looking down. I was like, hey, I bet he's Google searching Justin's book right now. <laughs> That's probably what's going on. No, I I I you know the only thought I had is, um, as humans. Uh, we like to develop systems and processes, right? This is with yep. the self-help society. And then also we are creatures. Of imitation. So even if someone has really begun to discover who God is and who they are and, and, and not, you know, shift from a human doing to just a human being out of the abundance of their 
relationship with God, right? The fruit of their life, because that is a scriptural principle that, that out of our relationship with Jesus, that there would be fruit from our life, right? Whether that was uh, being able to use a gift or being compassionate to somebody, whatever. So easily we could imitate the fruit thinking that is the step-by-step process. That is what it's all about. Not realizing that that is just, you know, coming from it's a, it's an, you know, a, a cause and effect of, you know, just having a relationship with Jesus. Right. And so then we, we miss it. I mean, I know I have where I'll look at somebody who is very talented or a leader or a pastor, they, they have it all together. And instead of realizing, you know, you know, even for somebody who is discovering and just walking with Lord, the Lord and just letting that happen, I'm focusing on all the exterior things, all the ways God might be moving through uh, this man or woman's life. And I I then get attracted to that and go, okay, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. And that's what we do. We, we imitate that. And then all of a sudden we're in that same spot. I, I really feel that for somebody that you might have a leader that you look up to, which is, which is good. It's good to have mentors yep. and scriptural yep. to seek wise counsel. But we got we got to remember yes god's set up community you know we talked about that a couple of weeks ago and 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 set up the church to continue to um, encourage each other and admonish and challenge and correct and all those things by by the holy spirit with the holy spirit moving but at the same time we have to make sure that we don't put these other people on the throne of our heart right on on the foundation of who we are and who god is because a fruit of God, right? Or a fruit, let's just say a fruit, not attached to the vine, what ends up happening? I have, I live in Arizona and we rent, we rent this house and the previous owner has these obnoxious fruit trees and like there's all these thorns. And what ends up happening is when they fall, <laughs> it, it gets, it gets rotted, right? It, it just, it just falls on the ground. It gets these like, you know, grapefruit trees that we have right in my backyard right there. And they get, why? Because it's come off the branch, right? And it's the same principle as you could take, oh, well, this is what a the fruit of a Christian is. But if you're not connected to Jesus and you don't have the things in line, it's really it's really for naught. I mean, yet, you know, yes, yeah. God might still use it for his glory and, and because he loves other people, but we've kind of, we've lost the perspective. And, and Don, Donald, what you said about the vine and the branch that is the relational gospel. And that's all I'm trying to say is how do you keep the branch connected to the vine? It's through what I'm talking about. That's why I'm going through the questions because a branch does not produce fruit. The vine produces fruit through the branch and the, the branch doesn't try to produce fruit. There's no steps to produce fruit. It's based upon its relationship to the vine. And that's yeah. why I'm going through this with people because it's like, all I need to do is get you into a relational before functional way of relating with God. And then yes, you'll function out of that. You function out of a healthy place. So whether I do great things for God or little things for God, however, somebody wants to measure it, it has no bearing on my enjoyment with God and my discovery. Like yeah. that's the freeing thing. But man, when I used to rocket for God in so many things and how many messages I had to preach, I mean, you felt like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really, God's really happy with me. No, he's happy with you because of where he's placed you, which in, is in Christ. There's no other reason. Yeah. It's not like you're a super good Christian. So he's super happy with you. It's like, enjoy being his because he placed you in a, in Christ so that he could enjoy you. That's where he can enjoy you. So what you say is right. And I, I'm not trying to ever get somebody away from doing for God. Um, but that comes as a natural flow. And I'm not trying yeah. to get people to relate with God if they have the wrong framework. Mm -hmm. If they're trying to go get close to God and become better Christians, guaranteed they're going to become transactional, functional Christian. Guaranteed. There's there's no way yeah. about it. You will you will do this to get there because you're destination minded. And to get out of that system, man, it it it's a detox. I'm yeah. telling you, I went, I went, I went through religious functional withdrawals and I watched 
probably a hundred people go through the same thing and find themselves still two years after going, but function, you know why function is so tempting? Cause you can measure it. Yep. It's tangible. That's what I was going to say. It's you tangible. can't measure You can't measure what Jesus did for you. It's done. You can't measure you and God, but when you have function, yeah. you can measure it and you can compare what you can measure then. And it's like, it's so crafty how it creeps into our lives. Yeah, it's true. That's awesome. Man, I, I hope, uh, any, any final thoughts you got, Matt? I know we just pro, you know mentioned the book, but anything else before we, we wrap up today? No, all I said, I just ordered the book. It's just while you guys are talking. So. <laughs> Longest podcast of the year. It's why my book was what? 390 <laughs> pages long. Don't show them that until they buy it, Justin. Jeez. Oh, you know, man, all they have to do, just I, is, I tell everybody, if you're going to buy the book, just read at least the first six chapters and you'll be gold. Yeah. No, that's good. I, uh, no, I, we, we appreciate it. And I, I kind of knew I was Art like, of you know, this yes. <laughs> he really did. There you go. Matt was on it. So I, I'm definitely going to be reading it too. I've, I've been needing to read it for a while, but, um, but man, we're, we're so, you know, blessed by, by having uh, you on the podcast, Justin, I really hope people, uh, you know, will take this to heart and really, you know, you know, wrestle with this, really think about this, pray on, on these, you know, thoughts and principles and just, just even look, diving into the scriptures more. And, and for some it's, yeah. it's definitely, it is definitely a shakeup, but, um, you know, we, we love you guys. We, uh, we believe that, uh, you know, God is going to use this podcast to, to speak to people. We're not doing a podcast just to do a, a podcast, but that he would uh, use it as a, an opportunity of revelation, um, you know, of, of just revealing things about you or things about him, maybe that you uh, you didn't know, or maybe you forgot. And it was just a kind of a reawakening of that. And uh, you know, that, that's what this is. That's what this is all about. So um, don't forget to uh, follow us on, uh, we are on our main social channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and then as well as we are on Spotify, Apple podcast, and on YouTube. Uh, so subscribe to us on YouTube. We'd greatly ap appreciate it as well as uh, you can follow us on uh, Spotify and Apple podcast. Leave a review on, uh, feel free to put a comment on YouTube, but leave a review on Apple podcasts. It definitely helps the algorithm. And uh, you know, it can be an honest review, you know, even if it's not five stars, I I'd rather have honesty than, than not. So <laughs> even <laughs> so, if it's a one star. But uh, what'd you say? Unless it's a one star, you said even the one star. <laughs> oh, even a one star. Hey, one stars are still important. So, but but once again, hey, thank you so much for tuning into the Temporal Eternal podcast. We hope you enjoyed uh, today's conversation, and we will see you next week. <laughs>